I think I'm playing chess, I see a king, I'm at his neck. I'm three steps ahead of every move, now that's a check. Yes, they wanna know my secret, it's because I never slept. All my nightmares of me at 40, life's a wreck. See my dad, he and dad. All right, what's up? What's up? We are not live, <laughs> but today we have an awesome guest, you guys. Uh, once again, Fernando Petty here with the UVO Podcast. I'm joined with my co-host, Alan Kontarevich. <laughs> got so quiet <laughs> he gets right on his damn phone every time studio we're, audience is a little slow <laughs> yeah, yeah we're gonna get a camera on this guy so we can see what he does behind the behind the camera uh anyways today we have a special guest in the studio steve collin with five wives vodka yep ogden's oh. own distillery officially is the company there we go there yeah. we go i was i was like I better not say five guys. <laughs> <laughs> it, it happens more than you would I think. Bet, yeah, I bet it does. I bet time. it does. And I wish it were five guys. I mean, oh, yeah. I'd be, uh, yeah, living it up on burgers. Well, yeah, you wouldn't be here with us right now. <laughs> technically, we do have five guys right there. Yep. Five husbands. Well, five husbands. Yep. Five husbands. That's this year's Pride edition of our, of our vodka. We oh, put out a new smart. label for Pride every year. What are they doing to those chickens? <laughs> They're just holding them. <laughs> just hold them. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. That, that's pretty badass. No, I, I was sharing with you a story outside um, how I first heard about your brand, some lady, random lady, and she might have been drunk on Five Wives. Who knows? But we were hiking over there at the uh, behind the Capitol, and she was talking about Five Wives Vodka, and she kept saying, oh, I can't believe this Mormon company is, you know, they, they have a vodka uh, a brand out. And I'm like, what? No, you're crazy. And she told me about it. And that was about five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty cool to, to, to see you guys and, and, and meet you. And I've always loved this. Uh, one of our agents and our team, he's not an alcoholic, but he drinks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was showing us his car. No, no. He was showing us his apartment. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bunch of empty bottles. Oh, really? And I'm like, oh, Matt, you, you remember that uh -huh. story? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's out there. It's been around and everybody seems to know who you guys are. So can you tell us a little bit about you first and then we'll jump into the brand? Yeah, so um, I'm Steve Conlon. I'm the CEO of Ogden's Steve Conlon. Yeah, okay. yeah, C O N L I N. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we've been in Utah here. Well, we started in Utah, started in Ogden, yeah. and we remain in Ogden uh, in 2009. And uh, we have grown into a, a quite the spirits company. We now have 12 different um, spirits that we package, and we have six different canned cocktails that we're making. And, uh, yeah, we've just been part of the Utah culture, um, to clarify, we're not a Mormon, <laughs> Mormon, um, company, not that there's anything wrong with yeah. that. Just that most likely a Mormon company wouldn't be making. Exactly. Well, I'll so. be honest with you. I know actually a lot of good friends and a lot of good Mormon friends too, and they love to drink. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing against that at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, do you? Well, the church is against that actually. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's cool if they yeah. want to go to hell. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we've been, we've been, uh, making spirits here in Utah. We were the second, uh, a distillery after high West high West had started about 18 months before us up in park city. Yeah. And now it's grown, you know, it's quite the, it's quite the thing here in Utah. You know, Utah's got, I think 14 different distilleries and about 40 different breweries. So, you know, we have a solid alcohol manufacturing segment in this, yeah. in the state now. Yeah. That's pretty badass. I know. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And, and, and I, I know I, I talked to you about that outside in the parking lot that I was interested in starting a company years ago, uh, tequila. 
And then I found out how expensive it was and I st- said, no. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough it. business. You, know. you probably made a wise decision. Yeah. You know, it's uh, you know, we're lucky enough to gotten into it early. Um, you know, I think the people who have started here in the last few years are going to quickly realize that it's not simply as easy as just making a product yeah. and putting it out there. You know, you have to deal with the DABC, you have to deal with getting into other States. You have to, uh, deal with marketing and sales. It's, you know, it's one of the, ch- I've done a lot of different things in my lifetime and it's certainly the most challenging business I've ever been in. Wow. So, and wow. I've done real estate and I've done mortgages. So yeah. you guys you know. know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like. yeah. So talk to me about number one, uh, the distillation process. And I am interested in that. I actually used to do a lot of product development. We had a supplement company back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. I love the idea of number one, having a, a company, uh, an alcohol brand. Um, but the distillation side of it actually got me really interested, you know, and how they set everything up and there's temperatures and, and it's, yeah, it's you know, really I'm crazy. not the person to talk to about all that, yeah. unfortunately, because, yeah. um, you know, Tim Smith is our, um, Tim Smith is the founder of the company in the sense that it was his idea. He'd been wanting to come um, to market with um, our original product underground, which is um, sort of a Sambuca Jägermeister type product. Um, and he had, he had made that product kind of in his basement, wow. um, you know, illegally back then and introduced it to people. He's kind of a home brewer, you know, yeah. basically and wanted to introduce that, that product. And that's, I met Tim so he's more of the technical kind of guy on, yeah. on all that side. Um, we're excited. We're getting a brand new still installed in, in July um, wow. that it's being built for us right now. So I'm really excited to see how, how all that, that comes together. Yeah. It's much bigger than anything we've ever dealt with. So, so and, Utah, um, Utah, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, Utah is a pretty crazy state when it comes to liquor laws and, and, and licensing and everything like that. Is it, is it as challenging as someone trying to like, let's say get a, a liquor license for their bar business as it is to start a distillery? I would say this, let me, let me, uh, you know, have to be political about this. Yeah. <laughs> Every state has its issues. Yeah. Um, you know, Texas is crazy in certain ways. New York is really crazy in certain ways. Uh, Michigan is different. California is different. So everyone has their level of weirdness. Um, the challenges that you see in Utah are um, their own level of weirdness. Um, you know, you're dealing with the DABC and everybody likes to talk bad about the DABC and, you know, how they are, you know, are against drinking and all this sort of thing. But you have to remember the DABC is just enforcing regulations established by the legislature. So you have a bunch of great people. I actually, we have a great relationship with the DABC after 12 years. And we actually had the new director up to our office about two weeks ago. And she, you know, had an hour and a half sit down with us just to hear what our concerns are and stuff. And so I really think the DABC is uh, trying to be proactive about um, making Utah a workable state for us. Um, The challenge comes in that... There are lots of distilleries trying to get lots of products out and the state only has so many stores and so many shelves. And so they find ways to try to control that because mm. you can't just put every, every product on the shelf, yeah. you know? And so getting a fair and equitable system for that and one that doesn't um, harm, you know, local people trying to yeah. get products to the shelf, it, that's the big challenge here in the state. Um, as far as getting a license, it's just like, real estate or anything else, you know, it's jumping through all the hoops. And if you check all the boxes, you get there on the, 
on the distillery side. Yeah. On the on the bar side, you're right. They're just the legislatures only authorize so many liquor licenses, and because of that, um, you know, people will build a bar and then go to get a license, and there aren't any available, and they can sit there for a year waiting for licenses to be available. Wow, and yeah, that's strictly I've, based I've on of, population. I've heard of that happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. The lines usually. Well, for the last couple of years, it's been eight to 10 people deep at any given time. So for instance, in our, we just built a new facility up in Ogden um, a year ago, moved in last May, and we have a bar that we're building out in it right now. And I've got to get in line for a liquor license, and I have no idea how long that will be. It could be you know, two months to 12 months wow. uh, before we actually have that. So it requires people to take a pretty big risk without knowing when they'll get a license. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always get people who ask me, and they'll say, well, why did you decide to do this in Utah? And it's like, well, I live here, yeah. right? And then you have to acknowledge to yourself that you decided to do it and that you know it's got funky rules and, and oh. things you're going to have to follow. And, and it's a, um, you know, between Utah and Idaho, they're the lowest two per capita drinking states in the country. And so, you know, you know, you have this uphill battle against a culture generally around you that's not, not consuming alcohol. And you have a legislature that really is against alcohol. So they love the money it brings in. Don't get me wrong. You know, because the revenue from the DABC goes to fund school lunches and the education and that sort of stuff. So they want to see the alcohol and spirits sale. They just don't want to be associated with promoting it to do so. So, 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 so pretty, much they, pretty much they want to make the money out of it, but they don't want you know, any of the backlash like, hey. Yeah, they don't want to be seen as being promoters of the product, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and also, and, and this is a very fair um, um, philosophy for them to have, they don't want any underage drinking, yeah. right? They just want to make sure that that's the, the line that's drawn in the sand, which we're fine with that. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah, you know, I got I got a really fucked up story about that. I feel so bad about this. I wanted to be a cop when I was younger, mm-hmm. and my uh, my mom's cousins are cops, and it's like pretty big on that side of the family. And I I went to uh, my mom's cousin, who was really close to at the time, and he's like, "Hey, man, uh, you ever thought about doing uh, sting operations with oh, us? Because nice. you're 16 years old, you look like you're 25, <laughs> had a beard and everything, right? Yeah." And, and I was like, yeah, what the hell is that? And he's like, yeah, it's good for your resume. You know, you, you know, we get to go to the, the academy and everything. I said, okay, cool. Sure. So I went with him on a couple of ride-alongs, and he had me go into the stores and try to buy alcohol with, with my ID. I didn't think it was going to work. <laughs> I'm like, no one's stupid enough to give me a, a yeah. alcohol. Because if I knew it would work, I would be doing it all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? And so I go, and we go to this market, and this lady does it, and she gave really? it. And I'm like, no, she's actually going to ring me up and not ID me. And she did. And I walked out and I'm looking at my uncle or my, my I called my uncle we're really close. And he's like, well, you've got one. And I'm like, what are you going to do? He's like, when you go write her a ticket. And I'm like, write her a ticket. Like, is she going to lose her job? He's like, probably. I'm like, oh my God. I felt so, I still feel yeah. bad this day. I felt like no, a, little, they a still, rat, you know? You know, part of the, um, so <laughs> what happens at the legislature is that if they want to change any liquor laws to make them, uh, we'll call it looser, yeah. more normal yeah. right usually there's something that comes along with that that there's a price to pay yeah. so for instance when they got rid of all the private club licenses in utah um you know for the olympics yeah. and such they 
had to then fund part, a part of the DPS, the Department of Public Safety, Highway Patrol, right? They funded them, like, I think something like 18 officers to go out and conduct stings and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So there's there's quite a number of officers running around all the time. Yeah. You know, um, as an adult now, I'm like, okay, I know, I know why they did that. And then, you know, the wife and I, we, and, and I, I made a pledge last week to stop drinking, um, Cause I've been on this, this weight loss journey. And for me, my body reacts like terribly to alcohol. Mm-hmm. When I drink it, it makes, I get so fat. It's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I didn't do that when I was younger. So I've slowed down a lot and I made this pledge. And so I wish I could have some right now. And I'm like, damn it, man, I'm looking at it. Like I want to take a shot. Right? But I'm not going yeah, to. Yeah. I mean, you know, alcohol should be drank in moderation. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Just like sugar or anything else. You yeah. Know, and so the wife and I, you know, we go to the store and we pass a liquor aisle, uh, not liquor, the beer aisle. And I'm walking by the aisle and there's you know, the glass and I'm like, wait, that looks like a wine bottle. And there's a wine bottle in there. And I'm like, oh, they're selling wine now at the, at the, at the wall, it was Walmart. And it wasn't, it wasn't wine, but it was alcohol. It was beer. It, 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 it didn't even say it was like a tonic. Huh. It, it was like alcohol. And I'm like, I'm like, where do they draw the line at? Yeah. You know, that's the weird. Cause it looks like a bottle of wine yeah. and yeah. I'm, and I've never seen it before. I just, and this was two nights ago. Wow. And I'm like, where the hell do they draw the line at? Like, are they going to eventually start getting wine in the, in, in the grocery store now or, you know, other types of alcoholic beverages that are served in these big bottles? Well, I'm, I'm actually curious to know why is wine not allowed in like, you know, stores like that, but beer is, I'm, I'm, I was that kind of interesting. <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's a weird thing. So like if you take wine yeah. and you take beer yeah. and you take spirits, what's what gets you drunk? Yeah. What gets you inebriated in, that, in those products? It's ethanol. That's the alcohol, yeah. right? It's the alcohol. Ethanol is ethanol is ethanol in each product. But somewhere along the line... I think at the federal level, they made a distinction between beer and wine and spirits. And so there's a whole different set of rules for, for beer and for spirits and for wine. They, they have their own category. And so if you take something like our new canned cocktails, you know, they're, um, they're made with spirits. So they don't fall into the beer thing. So if you have, like, if we made a canned cocktail that was, you know, 4% alcohol, the same as what, is in a yeah. white claw or something. Yeah. We still couldn't sell it in the liquor store because white claw claw is made from malt, mm. which is what it's a beer. It's basically a beer product, right? So like wine coolers are made from malt. They're not they're not made yeah. from wine. And so they they're able to categorize themselves into those those categories that allow them to be sold at different so, places. So that was one that when I was younger, and I think that's what it was. It was a, uh, what, 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 what was that, that called? You just said it. It was the, uh, Malt? Bo- bo- yeah, but Boone's, Boone's oh, yeah. Farm. Remember that yeah. one? They yeah. used to sell at the grocery stores. In Utah. Yeah. They wow. used to sell at the grocery stores. And, and I, that's the, what I, that's what I bought at the store. And that lady actually let me get through the, the, oh, the how aisle. funny. Yeah. It was Boone's Farm. They don't sell it anymore inside well, the grocery stores. And going back to every state's different. I think in Idaho and, and don't hold me to these numbers, but yeah. I, I'll use the example, like anything over 10% in Michigan has to be in the liquor stores. Anything 10% or under has to be, or, yeah, has to be go, go through a beer distributor type thing. Mm-hmm. In Idaho, I think that percentage is something like 17 or 14%. So, like, if you go up to Idaho, you can buy a product like Rum Chata, which is only sold in the liquor stores here. You can buy it at the convenience stores there. Yeah. Our 
Uh, canned cocktails, we're hoping soon will be available in Idaho in the Mavericks. Whereas Ooh, here, nice. they will strictly be in the liquor store. Yeah. So when you go into different states, you have to learn every one of their weird uh, you know, procedures and, yeah. and rules, and, and it's, it's challenging. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, gotta just, be, it's it, just part of the game. That has to be extremely challenging. And again, as, as, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who's trying to grow their business, starting here in Utah as a distillery, um, you guys are not just, uh, like we talked about private label, you guys are not a, uh, a you didn't white label a product. No, you know, this, you guys are making everything from scratch. And so to go into other States, when you talk about expansion, it's must be hard to forecast what your projected sales would be if you don't even know what you're available to sell to. Yeah. It's it, right now, just with the saturation of the market, there's over 2000 distilleries in the country and yeah. everybody wants distribution. So if you think about it in Utah, there's 13. But if you des- you divide two thousand by by um, fifty, you get what an average of forty in every state. Yeah. States like um, California, Colorado, New York, Texas, Florida, they're going to have a, almost a hundred distilleries in those states, right? And so everybody's fighting, scrapping for for a place in the marketplace. Yeah. And you know how you cut through that clutter. I use the example all the time of sh- uh, cereal. Like when you walk down the cereal aisle at the grocery store and you look at all those brands, oh, mind boggling. <laughs> imagine if you had to try to insert a new cereal into that and how are you going to get into people's heads? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's really a challenging marketing game. Yeah. You know, and that's why, you know, obviously through our products, we've found a way to kind of pay homage to the local um, culture yeah. and the historical part of Utah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you probably don't know this, but Madame Paterini Gin, which is the black bottle there, um, right here. Yeah. So, you know, that's Brigham Young's 34th child, and it's his son, Brigham Morris Young, who was a cross-dressing opera singer. This is the son? This this is is the son. Oh, snap. So that's a cross-dressing, you know, guy from the 1800s on our bottle. That, you know, most people honestly Never didn't know that. about that Never story that. until we brought it to life. Never heard of that. Know? And I was LDS yeah. until I was like 18. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they didn't, they don't put that in <laughs> Sunday school. <laughs> they but, probably but, should. But when it yeah. comes down to marketing, though, it's genius because you want to definitely stand out. You know, you want yeah, people we want to be like, who? Like, even me too. The first time I seen five wives, I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah. It got me thinking. I'm like, does he have five? I'm, I'm curious <laughs> to know. Like, automatically your mind is, you know, wondering. Um, but you know, yeah. it's funny about that brand too. It's kind of like five guys that you yeah. mentioned is that, um, it, it vibes in other States too. They look and go, Oh, five wives vodka. That's cool. But they don't know. And then they go, Oh, you're from Utah. That's hilarious. You know, yeah. but you don't have to have a story behind it. Yeah. If it, if it kind of just makes sense to people. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So we, we try to be really, um, we dig deep for our marketing. Yeah. Well, I can tell you guys put a lot of work into it. I mean, just, I mean, the products themselves, like, you know, they're not very similar when you look at them. No. It looks like different companies made all these, you know what I mean? And Yeah, and we do, and we brand them and sell them each differently, too. We treat them as their own company, basically. Yeah. This one right here, so this is one, This is the original the one. Original, the original. The original one, so Underground yeah. Herbal Spirit. So you, yep. you're telling me this is kind of like a... It's like a Sambuca, yeah. um, Jägermeister. It's got half the sugar of, Jaeger, of of Jaeger, so, but it's got that black licorice anise yeah. flavor. Uh you know, when we started this company, you know, that was the bar shot um, flavor category. You know, most of the youngsters now are used to the, the cinnamon whiskey flavor yeah. category. Yeah. But back then, you know, 
Um, Jägermeister was every bit as big as, you know, the cinnamon whiskeys are now. Oh, it was yeah. huge. I so, remember back in, what, high school and college days? You know, everybody yeah. blah, blah, Jaeger, Jaeger bombs. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the worst possible I, thing. I never you. personally, <laughs> I, 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 I never liked it a whole lot. I feel like the taste. I didn't really personally like the Jaeger. Yeah, um, but everybody liked it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and that's the thing about alcohol is, um, you know, you can make the argument that most of it doesn't taste great. Yeah, that's yeah. why you have mixed drinks and yep. cocktails. Yeah, it all tastes and, like yeah. shit. Let's be honest. Yeah. Who the hell yeah. wants to drink I mean, <laughs> It's like most people would rather do a margarita over yeah. a straight shot of tequila. Yep. You know, and there's a reason for that. You know what? You know what's funny though is as you age, and I feel like with me, and I'm, and I'm, I'm I, I think I'm young. I'm 34, but you know, as you age, I feel like you switch because I I looked at it when I was younger, like oh man, I'd rather have a sweet drink or a chaser this and that. And as I get older, you know, when when I do enjoy a drink, it's usually something on the rocks. And I think I'm looking at it more like a like a the way I feel after, I feel like if I sure. put too much sugar, I oh, actually yeah. feel like shit. You know what no, I mean? No, I think that's just part of yeah, aging. Yeah, the body doesn't process yeah. as well. Exactly. Weight, yeah, you gain weight. Yeah, there's, there's. I mean, I'm a vodka water person. That's what I drink. Yeah, you know, I don't. I'm a gin guy. I love gin with maybe tonic water yeah. or just straight on the rocks. Yeah, you no, know, and I let it melt for a little bit, and then I'll I think you'd really like our gin then. Yeah, because it's got Sicilian lemon. It's really got a citrus finish in it. Most people, like, we have them make a gin and tonic. They don't even add a lime because it's yeah. just kind of nice. and. Yeah, I am going to try that. I got to wait till the 30th. I'm yeah. <laughs> J- July 30th. But let's get in your story, man, because you pulled up in a really nice car. I don't know if you want to uh-huh. disclose that, but you pulled in a really nice car. And uh, I was like, oh, that's just a lot of money in alcohol. <laughs> it must be a lot you know? of money in alcohol. But, <laughs> but, but, but I wish. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, you mentioned you're in real estate. You mentioned you're in mortgages. It sounds like you've been an entrepreneur for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. And uh, you told me recently that you're from, you're from Texas. Yep. From Texas. Originally. Originally. And uh, you went back and forth here and there. And now you're here the last 28 years. Is that what it was? Yeah, I've been. So <laughs> it's hard to believe it's been that long. I guess it's been closer to 30 years. Yeah. Um, well, let me think. I'm doing math here in my head. I think I came to Utah for the first time in October of 89. And so, um, but I was, I was here, I was actually working for the IRS at the time. Oh, so wow. that's how I ended up in Ogden was I was, a um, I was working on a computer system development team out of Austin for a automation of, of tax examination stuff without going too deep here. Um, yeah. but so I ended up on a temporary job that kept me in Ogden for about two years. So I would fly back to Austin about every month or so, maintained a place there, but it was kind of TDY, as they call it, you know, temporary. Um, I was living in a hotel, basically, for those two years. Wow. And, uh, and then that project ended, and I just decided I wanted to go back to school. And I didn't want to go back to the University of Texas at the time. You know, it was something like eighty or 90,000 students. And I thought, man, Weber State looks like a really nice, small, quaint uh, yep. school. And so, um, and I, I had this dream of being a photojournalist. And so I went um, to Weber State and I um, got a communications degree with a photo minor and kind of made my own program there. I was the photo editor of the school newspaper for three or four years and, um, you know, kind of just did the college thing. I was a little bit older. I was probably 25, 26 at that time. And so I was, um, you know, I'd, I took out my uh, retirement from the IRS years and I lived on that just living like really, really on um, no money, you know, and I got a internships where I was making like a thousand dollars a month for a year. And you know, I really just lived the, 
a really just poor college life. Poor college <laughs> life. Broke college. I kid. was lucky enough to live in a house where it was a guy I'd met at the IRS and he rented it to me for 500 bucks and I had a roommate and it had a basement apartment in it that we rented out for another 300. So I mean, I was living cheap, but I was, um, I didn't have a lot of expenses, yeah. you know? And so I was able just to, to eke by for a few years. And then I got into the newspaper business right before <laughs> the news, the internet came along and started killing newspapers. Yeah. And so, um, you know, but it was during the time when, like, the Jazz were making a playoff run this yeah, year and going, going to the championships, 90s, yeah. and so I got to, you know, cover the Jazz all the way to the NBA Finals and be in Chicago for games and all over and that sort of stuff. So it was a, it was a great life. It was a poor life, yeah. but it was a great life, you yeah. know. And uh, so from there, I, I ventured into real estate, and uh, I had a friend who was just making tons of money in the late 90s doing selling houses, so I went and got a real estate license and... Um, did okay with that, but where I really shined was I found I had a more of a um, acumen for doing mortgages. Mm -hmm. I just understood the finance side of it. It just clicked. So I think in about 2001, I slipped over to the, the mortgage side of things. I'm still up in, in Ogden and uh, did that up until, um, well, we started this company in 2009 and i think i quit my mortgage company in 2011 so i did mortgages for about 10 years up in while you're Ogden building the, the distillery company yeah so tim as i mentioned before he kind of ran the company for the i mean we, we started just on a shoestring yeah you know we we didn't know what we were doing with this company we got you know i gathered some friends around and said hey you guys want to take a take a risk here we don't know jack about the, the liquor industry but yeah. you want to throw some money in and so you know that's that's the real story of our company is that we started with nothing. You know, we started in a garage basically. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of the tech kind of, you know, legend that yeah. everybody starts in a garage. Yeah. We literally started in one of those spaces with the roll up door in the back and the office up front, there you know, go. about, yep. you know, 1200 square feet. And that was our first facility. And uh, Tim, for the first couple of years, you know, we just made underground and um, it was doing well and still does. And, uh, then Five Wives came out, and we started getting really a lot of momentum with that. And then we started adding more products and more products and more products. And, you know, now we just built this 35,000-square-foot facility up in Ogden. It's got a concert venue on site. The bar is going to be finished pretty soon. Like this this weekend, it'll be, well, it'll be the past weekend when this comes out. But we're having the Ogden um, Can Fest where we're having all the local breweries come and we're doing a small canned uh, beverage festival on site. So, you know, it's, it's, we've come a long way in 12 yeah. years from, you know, really bootstrapping the whole way yeah. you know, until just recently. So let me ask you a question. Do you know Barry up in Ogden at the, uh, the he's a flavor formulator used to have a big... Uh, I don't personally, but Tim might. Probably Tim does. works with our yeah. flavor people. He yeah. probably does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You remind me of Barry. That's, I'm, yeah. I'm like, it's an I, when I had the supplement company, we used to do flavor formulations, and, and uh, I was up there like every other day working okay. with him in his lab. Huh. Um, so yeah, I, I, bet, I bet Tim would know him because yeah, he's pretty he big does. up there when it comes to flavoring and stuff like that because yeah. I know he does stuff for everything. Yeah, that's yeah, a good everything, chance. Everything. Yeah. So you guys started with a 1,200-square-foot facility now you're 12 years later thirty-five thousand square foot facility yeah holy shit it's yeah a big jump right there yeah and this is our third spot we moved up to a, a 6400 square foot facility about six years ago yeah and we've grown out of that 
So hopefully this one lasts us for a while. So I got to ask you, I got to ask you, um, how, when, when you went into this, I know you weren't planning, hey, what's my exit strategy? But now <laughs> Actually, I was. Okay, okay. Well, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, a yeah. lot of people don't. But. I was wrong. <laughs> okay, okay. You, yeah, you were dead wrong. You're 12 years later into this thing. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, do you have one now? Have you been thinking about one now? You mentioned that you might be moving to San Diego. <laughs> I personally have my own exit strategy. Yeah, so no, you know what? I, we went into this so naive. Yeah. And, you know, we, we really thought with Underground, and at the time, you know, Jägermeister was the big product, and we really believe that Underground was such a superior product to Jägermeister. It's 5% more alcohol. It's half the raw sugar. It tastes better. It's, it's just everything about it is a better product, yeah. right? And it's cheaper. We keep it the price point less than Jägermeister. I thought, my God, people are going to see this better mousetrap, and we're going to be nationwide, and we'll be so rich in three years that I'll be, yeah. you know, just... It never, you know, never, happy, it never works out that happy way. Happy as can be. <laughs> it never works out that way. No, did yeah. not. You know, and I mean, you know, we learned, we just didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. And we didn't know about, you know, big giant conglomerate companies out there can just, you know, they run the place. They yeah. run this business. It's a, it's a tough business. You're competing with, you know, $14 billion companies like Diageo and, you know, that sort of thing. And um, so, you know, once we realize that, you know, after three years, we're like, okay, well, we better start introducing new products and we're going to be doing this for a while. Let's build a sustainable portfolio and make a living with it and all that sort of stuff. And so um, my own personal exit strategy is, um, you know, I'm, I'm not young anymore. This is a young man's sport and it's really time for me to, to uh, kind of start stepping away. Um, I am looking to move to um, non hundred degree days and non wow you know, 20 degree winters. Um, I like, uh, San Diego sounds really nice. Yeah, I mean, um, when you get old and, and I thought about this, you know, I, I just had a, uh, pretty decent size weight loss in the last eight months and I lost about 60 pounds. Nice. And, but when I was up there and I'm, I was 33 at the time, I was thinking like, if I slip and fall in the ice, I'm probably going to break something like I'm yeah. 70, 80 years old. Right. You know what I mean? And it, it's a real concern, you know? And so I think about that, you know, with my mom, she's getting older. I think about, you know, I don't know why everyone's moving down to St. George and these warm places yeah. because that's a damn problem when you get older, you can slip and really, you know, mess some shit up. And so, so I, so you are contemplating moving. I am. I'm a beach person. Yeah. I just always have been, you know, growing up in Texas and that sort of stuff. I've been a warm weather person. Like yeah. I'm not a skier. I've tried. It's just, yeah. it's not in my blood. Um, and so, you know, life is short and, yeah. um, I'm, I'm at the point where, um, you know, I, not to get too deep, but, you know, I have, I have partners that we, um, well, I'll put it this way. They were the age I am now when we started this company. And so I've been able to witness how aging, um, helps or helps, uh, 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 hits people as, as time goes on and you don't know how many days you got left. You know, yeah. you could have 10 years, you could have 20 years or you yeah. could have five, yeah, you know, five days. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I'm, I've done well investing over the last little bit to afford me to head towards retirement. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but, uh, I think it's time for me to to step out and turn, turn this over to somebody else who's yeah. 
not only can bring, um, you know, youth to it, but can bring ideas, you know, and I've been doing this for 12 years. Um, you know, I've done all the branding. I've done all, uh, I've driven the kind of direction of the company. And I think it'll be fun to see what somebody else with enthusiasm and, and that sort of thing can do. Yeah. Um, let, let me ask you this, and, and you might have some experience on this, so you might, you might have the answer to this question. Um, Ellen and I talk about this all the time, like, hey, you know, how do you value certain businesses? There's different, there's different types of uh, strategies they use to value sure. uh, c- certain businesses. So in an alcohol company, um, they're, they're probably going to go off of net sales and, and stuff like uh-huh. that and, and whatever, you know, case sales, case sales yeah. and things like that. But when you're the key man in the business, if you remove yourself from that and people understand that you're the key man in the business, does that affect the value? Oh, I think arguably it could. Yeah. Um, I think it, you know, I think it's different if, if you're, you know, let me be, it's different if you die versus someone who's still going to be around giving input, Yeah. you know, um, like even right now, I mean, my intention, uh, you know, we have a board of directors. We, we've actually raised funds. Um, we now have 294 investors, that sort of thing. So I have a board of directors that I answer to and I, you know, I'm hoping that as I transition to something else that I'll stay in a consulting role Perfect. and or on the board or that sort of thing, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, I have to think of it from my own investment standpoint. I'm not taking any money out of the company when I leave. I'm not no. getting rid of any shares or anything like that. And so my, well, my shareholders' interests are aligned with my interests. Good. And so, you know, we will... Um, as a team and a, and a management team keep driving that valuation. And, and what I really hope happens is, uh, is we've been a mom and pop operation basically, and it's time for us to grow up. Yeah. And so I, I'm hoping that um, me stepping aside actually allows for a, a broader, stronger development of a team rather than everybody relying on, on me, uh-huh. you know, and I have my limitations. Like to me, if you told me, you know, you can go out and find somebody who can do marketing. Um, I bet you can find somebody better than me, yeah. right? If you can, I bet you can find a better administrative person than me. I bet you can find a better um, salesperson than me. Yeah. For a long time, I was doing all of those yeah, by that's, myself. That's how it works, man. Yeah. When you're starting a growing company, you're wearing every hat. Exactly. You know what I mean? I've done, yeah. I've done that in the past with a, with, with a school that I started, and I was a receptionist. I was the educator, the instructor, the recruiter. I mean, right. The whole thing. <clears throat> yeah. And, so and I'm, that will kill you. you I'm know? excited yeah. about the talent we can possibly bring in. Yeah. And, and well, re- well, I feel like as long as you have that structure and that team in place, you know, at the end of the day, even if you do step away, you know, you have the foundation right. you know, set up to the point where it's going to be just running and I agree with you. And as long as you bring in the whoever does come in after um, the younger, et cetera, where it's like, hey, they want to change things up a little bit, add their own flavor to it. Sure. I'm all for that. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's just part of part of growth. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always have to remind my staff all the time, like, you know, we're a, we're a long way from 21, you know, and we're our customers are 21, 22, yeah. 23, 24, you know, uh-huh. that I mean. That 21 to 35 demographic is far more important to us than the 35 to 50 from a, from a sales volume standpoint, right? Uh-huh. And so I always have to ask my, my, my team who are, you know, 35 plus to, hey, put your head into that mindset because, uh-huh. you know, and I can barely remember it, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. 
from the from the marketing standpoint, you know, because I, you mentioned that you've done a lot of the marketing, you developed these brands. Um, since social media has came out, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen a lot of Instagram influencers um, working as spokespeople temporarily, mm-hmm. right, with their posts sure. for uh, tequila, vodka, whiskey, um, alcoholic beverage companies. Have you guys used that strategy at all? At, at all? And, and if you have, has it helped your business? You know, um, just like everything um, in the world, it's changed a lot yeah. from when we started, you know, used to, we could put a post on Facebook and it would get in front of 600, 700, 800 people yeah. per post. Right now it's 60 people. Yeah, you got to pay to get in front you of it. You got to pay to get in front of it. And so, you know, that's another thing where it was great to be early because we had that advantage of basically free social media advertising, yeah. you know, back then. Um, and so now, you know, we do do quite a bit of um, paid Facebook advertising. And I don't know what quite a bit is. It's quite a bit for us. Yeah. Um, to get our posts out there, we do do some influencer, um, Instagram type um, influencer stuff, but very small. It, you know, I always say it's a long way from Facebook to the liquor store, right? Yeah. And so, or, or billboards or anything else. And so our strategy is really to get out and have people taste our product. And if they like it, we know they're going to buy it the next time at their liquor store. If they see an influencer using it, you know, there's no influencer who can tell me about something like, oh, I had this and it's so great. I'm not going to trust them yeah. until I have a chance to have it myself. And that's the weird thing about alcohol is that, you know, you're trying to separate them from a $20 bill for their first time. It's not like going to a, buying a beer or, you know, so you've really got to figure out um, how to get to them in a way that they have that trust when they're actually sitting at the liquor store making a a decision. Right. And so we do a lot of tastings. We do a lot of sponsorships where we have our product available at those events so that people are getting that opportunity to try that the product where it's affordable. Yeah. And so that's, that's our key marketing thing. So we, we do these other branding type activities, but we know that that's just kind of light reinforcement. Yeah. So, you know, at the office, our other office, we had a few months back when COVID was doing its thing. And, uh, we had five wives, Hand sanitizers. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, <laughs> all, all over the yeah, office. Yeah. How the hell do they get in the office? <laughs> um, I think actually, Ceci got me a few of them. Oh, okay, nice. I, I took them to work. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So, so, so you guys did that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's a good way to get out there because, I mean, obviously, I, I've tried the product and, and this and that, but to see it on a daily basis, it was on my on my desk. Nice. You know, we had the hand sanitizer. Yeah. And uh, I was that's like, better that's, than a billboard. Yeah, it's pretty that's smart. <laughs> so was that just like straight ethanol or what the hell was that? <laughs> that was pretty much straight ethanol with a little glycerin, a little hydrogen peroxide and some water. Yeah. You know, um, that's a crazy story. So, um, okay. So COVID, if you guys remember a year ago, you know, Rudy Gobert rubbing the microphone. Yeah, I remember. Oh, that yeah. happened like on March, I don't know, 12th or so, right? It was right before... St. Patrick's Day weekend. Okay. And pretty much everything shut down that weekend. If you remember, St. Patrick's Day was on Tuesday, and all the bars were ramped up for St. Patrick's Day, and everything got shut down, basically, yeah. right? And then on that Wednesday was the earthquake, OK? 
Okay. I don't yeah. know if you were at American I was Towers when actually it hit. sleeping at the moment and it woke me up. Yeah, yeah. And you can only imagine. I'm just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Your pictures were coming off the wall. Yeah, I'm all like, oh, my painting. <laughs> I have a video of my slat shade just doing this, right? Oh, you know, It just, it was nuts. And so that was Wednesday. And I usually work from home on Wednesdays. Um, I don't drive to Ogden. I just like to split up the week that way. And um, so <laughs> earthquake hits. I go downstairs. Um Everybody's kind of freaking out. Oh, yeah. We're in all the, in the lobby. We're all hanging out yep. and this kind of thing. And then a couple aftershocks hit. Yep. And I'm like, screw this. I'm going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I drive up to Ogden and I'm just working. And I'm going like, oh my gosh, I hope everything's calmed down by the time I get home because it it had rattled me. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not someone who freaks out much, but I was rattled. Yeah. So I'm working, and then that day at uh, about three thirty, we get a notice from the federal government. Um, so we have a, we're, we're licensed distillery, but we're not allowed to manufacture hand sanitizer that requires like a manufacturing license and yeah. a whole different licensing. So I get a message. It says basically due to COVID, you guys were going to waive that requirement. Here's the recipe for making hand sanitizer. You're free to, to go for oh, it. Wow. wow. That is pretty cool. Yeah. And so, um, I went downstairs to Tim who was on the production floor and I said, Hey, man, we just got your authorization to make hand sanitizer. And he's like, Oh, do we really want to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's think about it overnight, you know? Uh, and, yeah. and, um, so I go in the next morning with a plan. We had happened to have a print shop right across our parking lot. This was in our old building. And, um, I went over to him. I said, Hey, how fast can you make labels? We called our bottle guy and I said, how much, how fast can you get a spray tops? He was like, I can have them up there today. And like, so on Friday we were selling hand sanitizer. Like wow. we, we roll it out that fast. And by Saturday, I mean, we had a line of a hundred, 200 people out our building and, you know, for the next, Oh God, it was March, April, May into June. I mean, we were just, we were a hand sanitizer business basically. I mean, we were still wow. doing, um, you know, what the DABC would order from us each month, but hand sanitizer was our priority. We hired like nine people just doing hand sanitizer. Yeah, it was crazy. Looked so. like at that time it was just yeah hand sanitizer, the Lysol you know Clorox yeah, wipes yeah. whatever everything was gone um, toilet paper etc. Everyone Every, was pushing hand sanitizer. Everything yeah everywhere <laughs> you go. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that just is skyrocketed. Yeah, we literally had people coming in with like, can you fill up our five gallon <laughs> bucket? And we're like, sure, Same. here you go, you know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was so crazy, and we worked our asses off. I mean, it was it was the most insane. Um, two months of, of my life ever. And I've had some insane months. Um, <laughs> those yeah. are two. I mean, I literally had two, I think 2000 businesses on a waiting list to get them like gallons of it. And, you wow. know, we could only make it so fast. And, you know, th what happened then was there started being shortages of in the supply chain. You couldn't yeah. get glycerin. You couldn't get um, hydrogen peroxide. And then suddenly you couldn't get spray tops or you couldn't get plastic bottles or you, you couldn't get pumps for the one gallon bottles. You know, it just was a supply chain nightmare. And so we just, uh, you know, we just kept at it. Yeah. Like right now, if you know anybody out there needs 7,000 one gallon jugs, I've got them. Wow. So wow. <laughs> if there's anybody in that, okay. they're just white one gallons. But So we, did you we guys put them. a dent in the uh, hand sanitizer market where you carved out your own audience of people who are purchasing from you guys? Um, yeah. You know, we've got a couple customers that are still buying it from us. They're like um, in the hotel business. And so they're putting in every room every night. Um, I think our mandate f 
for being allowed to make it ends in June this month. So, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be a sustainable thing for us anymore, but we've been still doing it and still making it. And, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a wild ride. That's Um, pretty crazy. I mean, in the end, I think we made over 30,000 gallons of hand sanitizer. Holy shit. So, yeah, yeah, see, I thought it was just like a, uh, gimmick. No, that's what I thought. I didn't think it was like a serious thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool marketing. No. Yeah, like that doing, there was a know? need for it. You know? I mean, <laughs> there was actually a need. I was delivering it to the hospitals. I was delivering it to the state attorney general's office because they were going out and issuing warrants, you know, or, or serving warrants. And, yeah. you know, they needed it in their cars because, you know, everybody was just scared. They yeah. Nobody knew how, you know, how bad this was going to get. And, you know, that's when New York was getting really bad. Yeah. And so, um, no, it was, you know, I mean... There was a time in um, the the NIC unit, the NICU, the yeah. newborn in, yep. in, um, infant care at IHC. Yeah. Somebody had stolen all their hand sanitizer, and so I took like you know five cases down there and just gave it to them. You know, like here, have this, and you know, it's it's. I didn't know at the time how important it was, but you know, this is the simple thing is like used to before hand sanitizer was you know readily available in hospitals what they would do is with newborns is they would the rule was you had to wash your hands before you touched a newborn right but people would get lax and not wash their hands and so the infection rate would be really high and so now what the rule is is you hand sanitize no matter what and you wash your hands if you think you've touched something else right and so they've cut the infection rates down to like 0.01% or something. I mean, it's insane how much it's made a difference. And so, you know, it really has saved lives of newborns over the years. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's things, things like that, that, you know, we, we delivered, I think it was something, I can't remember. It's all a blur, but I took down, I think 1200 gallons to the uh, Navajo nation when they were, uh, me and uh, Mikey Saltis, uh, from the city weekly, we loaded up a U-Haul trailer and uh, hooked it to my truck and just drove down to Shiprock and dropped off, I think, 1,200 gallons. And we shipped them another 500 gallons through other people, you know, because they had the highest um, COVID infection rate in the country yeah. back yeah. then. And so, yeah, we I'm really proud of what our team did. You know, it was while we did get promotion out of it, yeah. it was we did it because it was the right thing to do and a good thing to do. So. Wow. So what was that, was that profitable for you guys though, the, the hand sanitizer business? Yeah. We, I mean, we sold a lot of it. Wow. Yeah. So that is crazy. Yeah. yeah again, I thought it was like a, just like yeah, a no, honestly, I had no idea yeah, either. Yeah. Because I would spray it on my hand uh-huh. and I'm like, I, is it vodka in here? It smells like vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it has, um, it has a bitterant in it, so you can't drink it. Yeah. It'll make you, yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know that it would make you sick, but it Make you, it doesn't taste good. Yeah, you don't want to drink it. No. You don't want to drink it. The funny thing that just came to my mind right now, uh, when it comes down to that earthquake, I feel mm-hmm. like you had a similar reaction to like like I did. You know, first I got out of bed, everything, you know, yeah, breaking out, and then the whole, you know, the I think the fire alarm went off in the building. Every, you know, they called the evac. I mean, they want to evacuate everybody to right. meet in the 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 lobby. Um, I think in the north tower, you couldn't even get your car out. The power went out over there. Yeah, the south tower is still it was still good. At that time, I called. Um, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna get my car out of here. They wouldn't let me. They, they wouldn't. They, they, they didn't know what, what to do. So yeah. I called. I got a ride from Sessi. Mm. So I left for like maybe an hour. I mean, two three hours. 
And I'm like, man, fuck this. I'm, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go get ready. I'm going to go to work. I'm literally in the, in the bathroom just doing my hair. I got the, got the blow dryer out and everything. And out of nowhere, aftershock. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck this. I'm out of here. Drop yeah. everything. I'm out. Yeah. I didn't come back till later on that night. Yeah. It's nerve wracking. I mean, I live on the 21st floor and I yeah. was like, uh, yeah, this is not good. Not yeah. good. Yeah. And then we had, you know, three or four more after, you yep. know, for the next week or so. And I was just like, you uh, can feel them that whole week. Yeah. I remember that like every day. I'm like, yeah. And then you start imagining them. Yeah. yeah. I still <laughs> start, do. I'll still be, about I'll still lay in bed. I go, did I just feel something? I'll look up at my slats. Cause you know yep. what? I have vertical vine blinds in here. This is kind of crazy. I have vertical blinds in my place. And when there, if you remember about two years ago, there was a series of um, earthquakes in death Valley. Okay. That we're hitting about 4.8 to 5.2 on the Richter scale. I could feel though, I couldn't feel them, but my blinds would start just swaying back and forth. And so I'd go, oh, and then I'd check the internet and sure enough, there'd been an earthquake in, wow. in Death Valley or wow. area. And so every time now, when I imagine there's an earthquake, I'll look at my blinds and if they're sitting there Smart. still, I go like, oh, I'm the idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagining earthquakes. So yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that building is sensitive. <laughs> Honestly, I was pretty surprised, you know, because yeah. you. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you remember. I was looking out outside of the window, and in the Wells Fargo building, you can literally see it. Really, go no. back and forth. I didn't get get out of bed while it was still moving. And I'm like, I know there's just no way in hell this structure is good. Yeah, like yeah. there is no way in hell <laughs> this thing moved way too much. Yeah, it was so nerve wracking. Glad everything's good now. Yeah, Daniel, you want to give us a review on the. <laughs> yeah yeah Dude, they're, not, they're I, not cold though i want one so bad <laughs> you know, i just can't cold. i cannot have one Here, come and grab one you have any ice you can pour it over all right there yeah, you we go have, yeah we have yeah. ice and everything yeah all right because yeah whole kitchen back there you know what my this is crazy i am not a whiskey drinker i, I mean i drink vodka soda vodka waters our vodka cola right here um this front oh, this right here it is so good. I am. I'm like, it's just a vodka nice cola? vodka. Cola. I'm sorry. No, no whiskey cola. Oh, whiskey. Sorry, cola. Yeah, cola. I'm, like, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a whiskey drinker, but I, <laughs> I've become one with that. It is so. Tasty. Are you? Guys, I've never seen a canned whiskey cola. Um, I, there aren't many out there. I, yeah. I don't know. You know, and the problem right now is, you know, going back to the DABC, we haven't gotten these products listed in the DABC, so they're only available at our store up in Ogden. But hopefully by August, September, they'll be in the, the DABC stores. So, so explain to me how that works. So the DABC, they, did, they, did they limit you the amount that you can sell? Here's how it's working now. This is probably about the sixth different process that we've okay. dealt with in the last 12 years. Right now they've bought this you know, multi-million dollar analytical um, product management software system that's supposed to tell them what the what the consumer wants it's based on historical data so you can introduce something nobody's ever had and they don't have any historical data and they go like well sorry the software doesn't say it needs it oh, wow and so um it's kind of a pain in the butt right now yeah um we're battling with them that was part of the conversation i had with the the director of the dabc is like hey this there's there's something wrong here you have to get some human intervention into yeah. this um, so right now what it does, it spits out, it says, Hey, how many canned cocktails do we need? We need zero. Great. Well, you know, so what if Ogden zone has six available? We're not going to do anything because our software says we don't need any. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, it kind of sucks. And so, um, you know, where it sits right now is that I got actually an email from the purchasing guy yesterday. He goes, um, hey, we'll, we'll look at stuff in August, let you know. You know, so if the if the software says they need more, you know, we're in line with everybody else that's put in um, canned cocktails. Wow. So, yeah. I had no idea. Is that, is that complicated? Yeah, that's it really, it, it's, it's not good. Um, yeah. Especially when you consider like a company like us, I have a, um, I call it, I'll call it a, a broker here in Salt Lake. It's a company called Vine Lore. They rep other brands from out of the state, but we also have them rep our brand within the state. So they have like six or seven salespeople. So between my team and Vine Lore, I have about 10 people on any given day out in the marketplace. There's no other company out there that's out selling product. So like if we were to introduce this whiskey cola, like we're going to be out creating a market, right? Yeah. We're going to be telling people it's out there. We're going to be making sure it sells. Whereas a national brand would probably, you know, have one or two people that work for their broker who are representing all these other brands. Mm. And so that's kind of my argument with the ABC right now. It's like, hey, let us get our products in. And if we can't make them sell, then you're right. You know, they yeah. shouldn't be in the market. But if we put them out there, you can see on all of our other brands, we've made them sell. You know, when f five husbands came out for Pride, there wasn't any piece of software out there that said they needed another $20 vodka. Yeah. But we've created, you know, a, a marketplace for it. That's so weird that that this software would, would, would limit your ability to create a new category. Just. Yeah. Pretty, <laughs> it's annoying. Fucking it's stupid. it's yeah. really annoying. Pretty stupid. I mean, how are you supposed to, uh, well, maybe not in this business that they want you to do this, but motivate entrepreneurs to innovate, you know, and create new products. And again, maybe not in this business they're looking at, but. I mean, that's well, and I mean, I'm sympathetic to their, their situation. You know, <laughs> let's take, I won't say any names, but let's take somebody who's in the same place we were 12 years ago, right? They've got their little 1200 square foot place yeah. with a roll up door and it's a mom and pop operation and they need to get their stuff to the shelf, right? But they don't have any marketing dollars really to put behind it or they, they don't have the knowledge of the industry or, you know, I mean, admittedly where we were 12 years ago. Yeah, it's a startup. Yeah. Um, the DABC has to balance their need for product real estate, basically. You know, they only have so many stores with so many yeah. shelf spaces. Yeah. And um, balance what's going to sell and what's not going to sell. Yep. Right? Um, I just think you've got to go beyond letting a piece of software do all that for you. Yeah, there has to be some reasonable human thought behind it. Yeah. If you have a company that you know can go out and create and has demonstrated the ability to create cells, then you give them a little bit of a leeway as yeah. to somebody who comes out. And I, I think it's just a matter of process, right? Like I'll use the example of Michigan. If I get product in Michigan and I do not sell 10 cases in a year, they say, bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, you know? product sucks. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And so um, there's no argument. There's no nothing. It's that statistics. Yeah. You know, like you either make it sell or you don't. You know? Yeah. So I think, and um, you know, I think they're trying. I think I. it's just, it's frustrating um, 
when you're dealing with bureaucracy. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of bureaucracy, what about that Zion curtain? <laughs> <laughs> that what? What yeah. the hell is that about? Um, you know, that, <laughs> that's so strange. That just comes down to that whole thing about protecting kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and there's this, um, <laughs> you know, you can have a belief system, yeah. right? That doesn't mean your beliefs are correct. Yeah. Right. And they're the belief from a, um, legislative um, standpoint is that if kids don't see alcohol, they won't want it. Yeah. Now, if a five-year-old sees this can, I don't think they're going to want it just because they saw it. Yeah. Right. They, it takes, there's another level of knowledge that has to happen. Um, you know, watching people drink beverages from a, a can or a glass is not the same as seeing ice cream at, yeah. <laughs> you know, Ben and Jerry's or, yeah. or something. And so well, I would just I, there's, open there's it just a level of ignorance. Open it, give the little kid a shot and guarantee he's not going to want to drink it ever again. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Or make him drink a six pack and give him a ha hangover. Yeah, so he never yeah. drinks again. Well, too, I mean, you know? going back to, to the whole taste thing, I mean, it, kids it, smell it. They're yeah. like, oh my God, why would you right. drink that shit? Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's my kids do it all the time. Whenever we have even wine, like a beer house. or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, my son will smell wine and he'd be like, that's so like rotten. Yeah. He's like, why would you drink that? And it's, I'm like, when you get older, you'll, you'll understand <laughs> yeah it, you know it's just that level of it's an ignorance thing yeah. you know um i remember we so a few years back we couldn't do tastings at our stores right our package stores and now we can um, but it took a, like a three-year battle and i was in front of the uh commerce uh committee up at the, the legislature and one of the questions i got was well what if someone underage comes in and wants to try a sample what are you going to do and i was like well, we tell them no. Yeah. Like this isn't yeah, hard. It's not rocket science, yeah. right? It's like, and I, I get, it's these irrational fears. You know, I mean, their big fear at the time was if we offered samples to people that basically our place would turn into a bar, yeah. right? That people would be coming in and trying to drink all the time. And it, they, they don't get that. We don't want to give away booze. Yeah. We don't want to sell it cheap. We want people to, to just have a legitimate chance to try it. And buy it if they want. Yeah. And if they don't like it, then, you know, we know they don't want to buy it. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's that simple. But they complicate things, yeah. you know. And, you know, it's worked out great once they did implement it. And I don't think there's been any problems. And, you know, it, it just takes time. It's an education process. Yeah, and you're really dealing is. with people who um, come from a culture that just doesn't interact with alcohol. Yeah. And so everything that you can imagine... On, from the bad side is what they've been taught. So, you know, you, you just have to be patient. And uh, again, I always come back to the, uh, try to take the Zen approach. I knew what I was getting into when I got into it yeah. where and, I, and and where where I was and where and, I yeah, was, where you started it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, you know. but that, but that's the, I feel like that's, that's kind of the fun part. I feel like it, cause people want to challenge. challenge. I know I do. I, challenge. I, I love a challenge. The alcohol business is a challenge. Yeah. Without yeah. all that crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. No, I am. I am so happy you came by. I'm so happy you brought this. I don't know if you're leaving any of this stuff. <laughs> um, we do a lot of closings here and we have on our menu for our closings, a drink menu. Nice. Yeah, and so clients can come in here, you know, with real estate, you know what it's like when the, the closing experience sure. should be a fun, exciting, stress-free, congratulatory experience. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of these title companies take advantage of that and they have the agent and they have the buyer or the seller come to their office and neither the agent or the buyer or the seller got any help or assistance from the title company. 
and they get the closing photo and they get to take advantage of that closing right. celebration. And I'm like, there's something wrong with that. You know, the, the agent and the buyer, the seller should be the ones getting all the credit. You know, the agent, especially it should be done at the brokerage. Right. And so we changed that and we're, we're doing all the closings here and, you know, we offer to have, Hey, you guys want to drink? We have crown and Coke or, you know, whiskey or vodka yeah. or, and uh, it's been really good for the agents. They feel like they're being taken care of yeah. and, you know, they're getting that true, hey, congratulations, celebration for you and, and, and your client. Uh, and we find that alcohol is a cherry on top. Yeah, yeah. You know? you know, I was in Las Vegas at the Ferrari dealership down there. Was it Las Vegas? No, no, sorry. Confusing my Ferrari dealerships. <laughs> You've got too many. <laughs> I was at the Ferrari dealership in Fort Lauderdale and right on the floor they have like a, uh, champagne vending machine. Okay. Oh, that's cool. And when I went into the Ferrari dealership here in Salt Lake, I said, what's up? Where's the, he's like, we could never get away with that here. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. So, Oh but, man, but you're right. It should, you know, those big purchases should be celebrated. Yeah, they yeah. should. Yeah. yeah no, they, they really should. I mean, especially if it's somebody's worked their ass off, you know, to get yeah. to that point. And yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. Hell in today's market, just finding a house to put an offer in is a, is, a should be right a now. celebratory moment. Yeah. Yep. Just yeah. to get a house yeah. right now. We, we yeah. hear the nightmare stories from our agents and it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well, that's why when you work with a solid agent, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, you got to have a good agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's one of the big things. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming by. Hey, thanks, thanks for, for sharing your me. story. Really, I'm so happy you brought us some stuff. I don't know if you're leaving it, you're taking it, but uh, we're definitely going to. What's that review like? Talk to us. Why not? <laughs> no, no. T tell, us, tell us what you think. Put it over the ice. <laughs> So how would you recommend drinking this? Because it's a you know lower percentage of alcohol, just that's right not, on the rocks? Yeah, I mean, that's a vodka soda. It's 7%. So that's yeah. twice you know the alcohol. There's basically two cocktails in every can. And okay. so, yeah, I just drink it right out of the can. Um, you know, I like stuff cold. So, you know, I throw it over ice and get yeah. it nice and, you know, get the cans cold in a cooler or whatever or in the fridge. And um, Is that good or what? Yeah. Look at his yeah, face. <laughs> super smooth you heard it first yeah. everybody ladies and gentlemen super so, smooth five, yeah, you know, five wise vodka soda and in our canned cocktails now we have the whiskey cola we have the vodka soda we have a moscow mule we have a huckleberry lemonade mm. and we have a peach iced tea and then we have uh, madame paterini gin and tonics so the moscow mule yeah. is my wife and mine our favorite yeah out of the little ours copper is, cup ours is 10 percent so you know, drink wow. responsibly. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. What, what it's, you it's not like you're, you know, I mean, we're, I'm not joking here. Yeah. It's twice the alcohol of a white claw. Yeah. yeah so well, the white claws don't do shit to me. Yeah, I'll tell well, you that right now. I got to <laughs> drink. This will. It, does, it doesn't do anything. I think I went yeah. through a whole 12 or 10 pack <laughs> where this and didn't do anything. And I'm yeah. like, this is bullshit. You yeah. know, the Moscow mule will. Yeah. I had one the other night. I'd had a couple, um, you know, seltzers and I, I reached in, grabbed the Moscow Mule, and I drank the whole thing. I went, whoa, uh, yeah, next level. There we go. No. Yeah, get to the point already. You know, yeah. why we got to drink so many cans just to, to get yeah. a little buzz, you know? What, what do you think about it, Daniel? Super smooth? You like it? So I've never been a fan of, like, seltzers, alcohol seltzers. Okay. Is, would this be considered a drink? No, it's a canned cocktail. It's a canned cocktail. Yeah. I would drink a seltzer. Yeah. So it's not carbonated? Yeah, yeah it's carbonated. Is it carbonated? Yeah. 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 Pretty cool. I like it. I'll give one a try, dude. Well, I don't know if this might kill you. you <laughs> now now, now i got to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're we're, probably we're okay at that. Today. Yeah, we'll we're do it later today. on. Yeah. But, dude, thank you so much, Steve, for coming by. Thanks yeah, for sharing no, the story. You. Really appreciate it. I really love talking more, um, not only about, you know, uh, um, entrepreneurship, but even the, the, the 
politics behind the issues. So I'm happy you shared some of that stuff, yeah. you know, and the DABC and they, we knew nothing about that and how, how you even start an alcohol company. You yeah. Know. You know, and I, I always like to reiterate that, you know, the DABC is actually not the problem. Yeah. Here. You know, yeah. People like to speak bad about them, but you know, it's the legislature and you yeah. know, it comes back to you. You got to vote. Yeah. yeah. You know, so yeah, we talk about all the time. I told <laughs> Alan, you know, in the next seven years, I'd love, I'd love to run for public office. That'd be awesome. I yeah. Don't know uh, what I'm going <laughs> to run for, but I, I, I have my, I have my views. I have my opinions. I have my ideas. And I'm not seeing anything change, you know, and, and, and my thing is education, you know, and uh, it, I, yeah, it's a whole other story, but I, I feel like there needs to be some uh, changes there, mm-hmm. you know, especially with school, public schools. Yeah. But uh, yeah, dude, thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having uh, me. I'll have it up. We'll give you a shout out. Uh, you're on Instagram. I am. Yeah. Instagram. Tell us about the, 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 the five wives, uh, Instagram. Let's give them a shout out. So, yeah, I think, <laughs> boy, we have, we have different branding for every product. So, yeah. you know, Porter's whiskeys, uh, five wives, vodka, I think, uh, Madame Paterini and then underground herbal spirit. They're all just one, one word. One word. And we all have fa- We have Facebook page for each, or you can go to, um, Ogdenzone.com and I think that'll lead you to each one. Um, yeah. By the way, so, I love the name because ours is Utah's very own. Yeah. And I love it. Utah, uh, Ogden Zone. Uh, yeah. yeah. Ogden Zone. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Well, Daniel, we'll put that up there uh, uh, in the description of the video. I'll send you the link and some clips. You can put it up on uh, y- your Instagram. And, uh, dude, good luck in San Diego if you make it out there. <laughs> Alan, let's make some money so we can purchase a company, get him out of the get him out of the distillery business. <laughs> I was thinking that the whole yeah, time. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that the whole time. But, dude, thanks again for coming on. Yeah. And uh, awesome, guys. We'll, we'll see you next week. <laughs>